Well, good morning, everyone. For those who don't know me, my name's Matt, and I'm one of the student ministers here at Chatswood Presbyterian Church. It's my pleasure to be with you today to bring you God's Word as we look together at the letter of 2 John. If you haven't already got a Bible out in front of you, can I encourage you to go get this now? Because we're going to read back through the letter of 2 John. We're going to work out what John is saying in this letter and then apply the passage to our own lives. Before we begin, let's pray and ask God for his help. Gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we give thanks for the opportunity to meet together this morning. We give thanks for your word in the letter of 2 John. pray that by your spirit that you'll be with us to help us understand what John's message here is saying. And we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in these last few weeks, the outbreak of the Delta COVID variant has been all over the news. The New South Wales government has mandated restrictions which are getting tighter and tighter to contain the outbreak. It started with exercising within your 10 kilometre local government area and has moved to five kilometres in some areas. And for most of us, we obey the rules set by the New South Wales government. But unfortunately, there's been instances where people do not obey the rules, such as when people visit extended family. And these can have devastating consequences. In the act of loving them, by visiting them, they've instead passed on this deadly disease to the ones they love. To love each other in our community, we need to work together and obey the rules with no variation or reinterpretation so that the outbreak can be contained to prevent the loss of life. Well, in today's passage, we're going to be reminded by the Apostle John that to love one another is to be obedient to God's commands. In particular, to love according to God's truth. And it's important for us to heed to what is said here. Because if we don't, there can be devastating consequences for our community. All right, well, the letter begins with an introduction of who it's from and who it's to. Unlike the book of 1 John, which we've just finished, the author of this letter doesn't openly identify himself like we're accustomed to seeing. Rather, he simply refers himself as the elder. And while John doesn't, doesn't openly attribute the letter to himself, the language and writing used in 2 John is very similar to the letter of 1 John and to John's Gospel. And he's writing the letter to the dear lady and to her children whom he loves in the truth, which most people believe is a metaphor for a church and its congregation. And in his introduction, John says that he and all those who walk in the truth love the lady and her children. And what does it mean to walk in the truth? What does it live according to God's commandments? and the teachings of Jesus, just as they've heard from the beginning. It is to confess the coming of Jesus in the flesh, to acknowledge his life, death, resurrection, and the salvation it brings. And John says that the truth will live in the life of the believers and will be with them forever. Therefore, to know the truth means to live out the truth in their lives 
as they love one another, as a community walking in the truth. John then offers a greeting where he tells them that grace, mercy and peace is from God the Father and from the Son. And this grace, mercy and peace from God is accessed by believers through truth and love. Here John is saying that this grace, mercy and peace is experienced through the truth of who Christ is and what he has done for us and through his love. Have a read with me, 2 John verses 1 to 3. 2 John verses 1 to 3. The elder, to the lady chosen by God and to her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth which lives in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth and love. So from the outset, John stresses the importance of Christians walking in truth, in love. And with that, John begins to tell them of his great joy that some of them are walking in the truth. The great joy that there are those within the church holding fast to the truth. He's joyful that some of the church are walking in the truth. Because the truth matters to John. But here John gives the church a command. His command is that they love one another. This command, John says, is not new. Rather, one they've had from the beginning, which is that they love one another. That they love one another as a community of believers. John says, walking in love means being obedient to God's command. Have a read with me, 2 John verses 4 to 6. 2 John verses 4 to 6. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I'm writing... I'm not writing a new and new command, but one we've had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his commands. As you've heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in love. So John tells his readers that they ought to love one another, and to walk in love means to be obedient to God's commands. Well, in the next section, John stresses to his readers the importance of understanding love according to God's truth. Because there are those who have heard the original teaching but have now gone out and distorted the truth, who do not confess that Jesus has come in the flesh, who do not believe that God sent his own son as a man to redeem the world through his death resurrection and ascension. 
For John, those who teach this are the deceiver. They are the antichrist who lead people astray with their false teaching. Therefore, John gives them two very clear warnings. Firstly, he warns, watch out, you are not deceived. Watch out, you are not swayed by false teaching so that you might not lose what we've worked for, but rather you'll be rewarded fully, which is eternal life in heaven with God. These false teachers might see themselves as advanced thinkers, wise or progressive, or as ones with new superior knowledge of things, new ways of interpretation. But John is clear. Those who run ahead and do not hold fast to truth do not have God with them. On the other hand, John says, whoever continues to hold fast to truth, whoever remains and abides in the truth, has both the Father and the Son. So they need to make sure they're not deceived. Secondly, John warns, don't welcome deceivers into your house. Don't encourage them. Now, during the time this letter would have been written, there would have been a number of travelling preachers who went from church to church. So when John says, don't welcome them into your house, the house he's referring to, it isn't their own physical home, but the house church where they would have been meeting. So John says that if anyone comes to you with this false teaching that Jesus did not come in the flesh, don't welcome them. Don't invite them into your house church. Because if you do, you will become complicit in their wicked ways by your approval of them. Have a read with me, 2 John, verses 7 to 11. I say this because many deceivers who did not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. Any such person is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch out that you do not lose what we've worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not, welcome, do not take them into your house or welcome them. Anyone who welcomes them shares in their wicked work. So John warns his readers not to be deceived by the false teachers and not to support their dangerous ministry. John then finishes his letter by saying he's a lot more to write them about, but he'd rather see them in person rather than send this small letter. So he says to them, he hopes to visit them face to face so that our joy may be complete. This probably is in reference to verse 4 where he says he's joyful that, that some are walking in the truth and that by being in person he may see more completely how the church is walking in the truth 
and understand love according to God's truth. He finishes then with a greeting, saying the children of your sister, presumably the church he's writing from, who are also chosen by God, send their greetings. Have a read with me, verses 12 to 13. I've much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your sister, who is chosen by God, send their greetings. All right, well, that's as far as we're going today. Can you see what's in here in the passage of 2 John? John is writing a letter to this church to encourage them and he gives them a command that they love one another, that they walk in obedience to the Father's commands. He gives them a warning to watch out that they are not deceived by false teaching and not to welcome deceivers or encourage them. He then ends with a greeting. And John's big idea to this church is to teach them what love is according to God's truth. All right, well, let's think about how we can apply this passage to our own lives. I have two application points for us to think about as we respond to this passage. Number one is, does the truth motivate you to love? Number two is, don't be deceived. Do you get that? Number one Does the truth motivate you to love? And number two, don't be deceived. All right, application number one. Does the truth motivate you to love? Friend, do you believe the gospel is true? Do you believe Jesus is God? And the day is coming when he will judge the living and the dead? Where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. Do you believe that Jesus came fully human while being fully God and lived amongst us? Do do you believe that he, he died for our sins on the cross and rose again on the third day? And after appearing over 40 days to over 500 people, he ascended into heaven. Do you believe that? Well, friend, if you do, know this. You have both God the Father and God the Son with you, as John says. You're on his side. However, let me ask you a question. If you believe all this to be true, does that truth motivate you to love? If you believe a day is coming when God will come and judge the living and the dead, and that one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess Jesus Lord, how are you going with encouraging each other to persevere? How are you going with reaching out to that Christian friend who has been absent or struggling with their faith? If you believe that Jesus is a real person and also God and deserves our obedience, how are you going with standing up for the weak and for justice, knowing this is what God commands us to do? And if you believe that Jesus died for our sins on the cross and rose again on the third day, 
so that anyone who believes in him will have eternal life, no matter how sinful. How are you going with sharing this good news with those who, who fear death, particularly during the pandemic? Or how are you going with your humility in forgiving others? Maybe it's, maybe it's that person who, who hurt you in the past, who made your life miserable. Walking in love means loving others who you may not get along with. It means loving those other Christians who you might not think as cool. In comparison, if you do not walk in love, if you do not walk in the truth, you could be unforgiving and ungracious. You can become a stumbling block for them. Or worse, deceive our brothers and sisters and end up robbing them of having real relationship with God and eternal life. Friend, do you see how obeying God's commands, which is to walk in the truth of the gospel, you end up loving your brother and sister? When you walk in the truth of the gospel, you end up encouraging your brother and sister by setting them a good example and helping them not lead astray. When you walk in the truth of the gospel, you end up loving them as Christ loved them by being gracious and forgiving. How are you going with walking in the truth? Does your life encourage other Christians to love Jesus and his church? Does your life show that you love Jesus and the church? All right. Well, that's the first point. Does the truth motivate you to love? Friend, let me, let me ask you another question. How are you going guarding yourself against those who don't walk in the truth? Now, in John's context, which was really a small house church, where travelling preachers would come and preach. And so, so John's commandment to them is to, to watch who's coming over them and to watch who brings the gospel. Anyone who brings false teaching was, was not to be welcomed. And we're, we're very blessed here at CPC and the wider denomination within the Presbyterian Church of Australia that we have faithful teachers and faithful elders who view the Bible as the ultimate authority when it comes to knowing how to be saved and how to live for God. Who see the Bible as the very words of God given to define our faith and life. Who seek to build up their congregations on the truth found in the Bible. However, we should still heed to the warning of 2 John. Because there are those deceivers in the world, those who are progressive thinkers, who run ahead, as John puts it, who do not view the Bible as the ultimate authority. We need to be on our guard by being familiar with God's word so that we can discern whether someone is deceiving us. Which means practically, we need to be reading our Bible daily. We need to be hearing the truth. We need to be coming to church, 
hearing it taught and applied. We need to be meeting with others, one-to-one or in Bible study, to encourage them, to love them, to help them walk in the truth. Friend, I've heard of many churches who call themselves Christian, yet do not teach God's truth, who reject God's word as the ultimate authority. Will you be able to pick up the deceiver when you meet them? Or will you be taken away by their teaching blindly? If you move churches, will you be able to recognise a church that teaches the Bible faithfully, one that teaches the truth? Will you be able to recognise half-truth, such as teaching that focuses on, on climate change action and social justice, but fails to preach our need for Jesus? Will you cling to the truth or will you be deceived like Kosti Hing was for many years? Kosti Hing, perhaps you've heard of him, is a nephew of a famous prosperity teacher and faith healer, Benny Hing. Having grown up in the prosperity gospel movement and observing its supposed power firsthand, Kosti used to embrace the prosperity gospel with a passion. He was ready to follow in his uncle's footsteps and give himself to the preaching of the good news of guaranteed health, wealth to anyone with enough faith and, of course, anyone who supported the ministry financially. In God's providence, however, Costi went to the Dallas Baptist University with an opportunity to play basketball. And here he began to hear what the gospel really is. Here he also met a girl whom he later married. And Hint's family outright, outrightly rejected the girl because of her more biblical views and her inability to speak in tongues. Their approval, their disapproval, however, sorry, was so much that family members scrambled to fix her by taking her to her uncle's healing and implicitly requiring that she never get sick. The later requirement almost ended in tragedy in an attempt to hide her chronic illness that she was found to be temporarily paralysed in the basement of Costi's parents' home after an asthma attack. And by not walking in the truth and having a false understanding of the gospel, these people almost killed her. This story is just one of many examples where a false understanding of the gospel does not result in loving others. Not just because of the physical consequences, but because they were encouraging people to a gospel that cannot save. They were eternal consequences. But luckily for Costi, his story did not end there. Over time, the gospel truth reshaped his life. He came to understand that God is a sovereign and realised that he's not some sort of cosmic genie that exists to give me what I want. He is a majestic creator of heaven and earth, whom we exist to worship. He says, the gospel suddenly made sense. My life existed for the glory of God, not for my own glory. God's highest purpose 
was not to make me happy, healthy and wealthy. It was to give him glory. More clearly than ever, Costi recognised that the gospel his uncle and father had been broadcasting for decades is a paltry imitation of the real thing. He writes, and I quote, Christ died and rose to give us the priceless treasure of sins forgiven and relationship with God, not to line our pockets with temporary riches. And faithfulness isn't expressed by spiritually plundering the vulnerable to fund your luxury SUV or opulent home and extravagant vacations. Faithfulness was glorifying God, obeying him and loving him above all and your neighbour as yourself. Friend, do you see how loving others needs by, according to God's truth, with no reinterpretation or alteration? Friend, do you see how Failing to stick to God's truth and his command has devastating consequences now and more significantly in eternity. Friends, scripture is clear here. The world is flooded with mistruths. They're there to ensnare the believers, to prevent us from receiving our full reward, which of course is living in heaven with God. So friend, we need wisdom about how we lived and how we respond to false truth and the world that the world puts before us. We need wisdom on what we watch. We need wisdom on what we read. And we need wisdom on what we listen to. We need to stick to the ultimate truth that is in God's word. And we need to hold fast to it. And we need to love according to God's truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word in the letter of 2 John. Father, we do pray for each of us as we leave today. Lord, we pray that you'll help each of us to continue to love one another, that we'd not be swayed by false teaching, and that we'd be on our guard as we live our lives as Christians in a hostile world. Help us to be firmly rooted in your truth found in Scripture. Father, please strengthen us and help us each day by your Spirit to continue to live for your glory now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen.